African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. A very good morning and welcome to yet another interactive installment of African Dialogue. You listening to Channel Africa. This is your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Asanda Matzaunyani. I'm your host and we are currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. You can also listen to us at the DSTV audio bouquet. Uh, Good morning to you if you're listening there. Now it's January and we are just fresh from the festivities and the festive season where we saw people shop with families and also we saw what was called the Black Friday phenomenon. So today on African Dialogue we talk about the tourism sector and how it performed during this festive season of 2016-2017. Before we get to that though, let's get the news. Here's Onel Nzinzi. Thank you, Asanda. Now we take a look at your headlines. A team of ECOWAS leaders will visit Gambia on Wednesday for talks in the continuing efforts to get President Yaya Jume to hand over power. Kenya's president signs into law an amendment to the electoral law and all primary, secondary and high schools and universities in the English-speaking region of Cameroon remain closed. A team of ECOWAS leaders will on Wednesday visit Gambia for talks in the continuing efforts to get President Yajime to hand over power to the winner of the December 1st, 2016 elections of his country. Led by the regional body's chief negotiator, President Muhammadu Buhari of Nigeria, the team is expected to include President Ellen Johnson Soloff of Liberia, the immediate past president of Ghana, John Mahama, and the president of ECOWAS Commission. Analyzing the political development in the Gambia, legal practitioner and political analyst Chuku Emeka Ezer. Uh, what many people don't know is that Yaya Jameh has been ruling Gambia like a military man. His version of democracy has been that unacceptable to the international community. This is a man that introduced Sharia and changed the name of the country to Islamic uh, Republic of Gambia. He removed his country from being a member of the Commonwealth. And he was surprised. In fact, he was shocked that he lost that election. As far as I'm concerned, Yahya Jameh is not a man of peace. I bet it is good for the West African countries to make the last attempt to avoid blame. Italy is sending its ambassador back to Libya, making it the first Western diplomatic mission to reopen in the divided country. Italy closed its embassy in Libya in 2015 as rival factions descended into a conflict. This has let people smugglers operate with impunity and Islamic State establish a firm foothold. The pair pledged to tackle all forms of smuggling and protect Libya's southern borders. 
Kenya's president has signed into law an amendment to the electoral law. This is to allow manual voting and counting in elections as a backup, a move the opposition calls a backdoor of reaching this year's presidential vote. Oro Kenyatta on Monday said the independent electoral and boundaries commissions can install a backup system if the electronic voting fails. Kenyatta is running again in the August election. The opposition coalition led by former Prime Minister Arela Odinga, the former Vice President Musalia Mutavadi and Kalonzo Mosioka said the legislators of the ruling coalition in the Senator have committed a great betrayal on the people of Kenya. The opposition also accused the ruling coalition of casting fraudulent votes in Friday's session. All primary, secondary and high schools and universities in the English-speaking region of Cameroon remain closed with all students, teachers and lecturers absent as the second term of the school year in Cameroon kicks off. The strike in protest of what the teachers call the overbearing influence of the French language in the bilingual country has kept the children out of school for the third month now. Moki Edwin Kinzaka reports. The teachers called the strike to protest what they call the overbearing influence of the French language in the bilingual country. English speakers constitute 20% of Cameroon's population and the constitution says English and French inherited from colonial masters should be equally important. But most official documents are only in the French language and administrators and teachers without the least understanding of the English language are sent to work in the English-speaking region. And lastly, U.S. President-elect Donald Trump will appoint his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, to the position of senior advisor to the president. The appointment had been anticipated, but it was unclear what his official role would be. Kushner, who married Trump's eldest daughter, Ivanka, in 2009, helped guide Trump to victory in presidential elections. It is unclear how any Kushner appointment will be affected by an anti-nepotism law that prohibits a president from hiring family members to serve in his administration. Now recapping on your top stories, a team of ECOWAS leaders will visit Gambia on Wednesday for talks in the continuing efforts to get President Yajime to hand over power. Kenya's president signs into law an amendment to the electoral law and all primary schools, high schools and universities in the English-speaking region of Cameroon remain closed. Channel Africa News. Agro Africa. Hello. From the first Wednesday of this month, Agro Africa will be coming to you at 9.20 a.m. Central African Time and on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Central African Time. Tune in to Agro Africa and listen to stories about agriculture and its development in the African continent. We are on shortwave, internet live streaming and DSTV audio bouquet channel 802. Agro Africa, bringing agriculture to the comfort of your home. Agro Africa. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. 
If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Eleven oh eight Central African time. It is here on African Dialogue. Uh, good morning to you if you've just tuned in. And our topic today is about the tourism sector. Now, because it is January and we're just fresh from the festive uh, season, we saw a lot of people shop and uh, get together with their families. And also, we saw what was called the Black Friday phenomenon. So we talk then about the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season of 2016 and 2017. Trying to get hold of our guests to help us unpack this topic and the South African tourism has improved tremendously over the last year according to statistics with a 26.6% increase in tourism revenue as it becomes attractive for European travellers looking for high tides and sunny escapes from an otherwise wintry home. The sunny weather has not only become appealing for European tourists but also for Indians wanting to experience everything South African tourism has to offer. Official data from South African Tourism Board shows South Africans enjoy their local tourism with a figure of 570,944, followed by Europe with a total of visitors from Austria, Greece, Switzerland and others with 105,035. This further proves that Africa is still a destination of choice for many. So my name is Asanda Matsaunyane. I'll be driving the show here on Channel Africa and welcome to you. So we t- talked to uh, Kwakia Donko, who is Director of Marketing and Communication at the Regional Tourism Southern Africa. Good uh, morning to you, Kwake. Good morning to you and your listeners. Listening to those figures that we're reading there, that you know, South Africa has enjoyed a figure of over 570,000, while Europe has had 105. I mean, that's not, there's not even any comparison there. So clearly Africa is still a destination of choice for many tourists. That is correct. Um, I think some of the main reasons is that we are a destination with a lot of natural resources. Ecotourism is becoming a trend, and Africans naturally have got assets in ecotourism. Uh, on top of that, naturally, Africans are very hospitable. We've got beautiful scenarios in a couple of areas that are still unexplored. Mm. I think that always contributes to the growth and the opportunities we are seeing as Africans in tourism. How did we do as Southern Africa if we don't just look at South Africa? Southern Africa is still doing well. I will talk in percentages. Uh, if you look at the entire Africa, uh, we are doing well, but because of the challenges that uh, we've experienced in North Africa, particularly political instability for the last couple of years, uh, issue of terrorism, 
And then West Africa, we had the impact of Ebola a year or two ago. Those have seriously impacted on the entire Africa region. Uh, Southern Africa, we've been very privileged. We've not experienced any challenges uh, from this perspective. And because of that, uh, we've been doing very well. Uh, we grow on of an average of about, we are growing of an average of about, I would say, 5%, although from a very low base. But I think we are doing well. And some of the reason is uh, Southern Africa has got combination, what we may call bush and beach attractions. Uh, we are also a very big mind destination, that is meetings, incentives, and conferences across Africa. We got some of the top hotel facilities. We got some of the best conference facilities. Because South Africa is one of the leading economies in Africa. So we are very lucky. We, we have opportunity to leverage both the leisure travel and uh, the business travel. And we believe that that uh, will always contribute to the success of the region in terms of tourism arrivals and tourism receipts. We welcome uh, Cesar and Jonah, who's CEO of uh, Tourism South Africa, to our discussion. Welcome to you, Cesar. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we just read the figures there, and let me repeat them because uh, we hadn't had you on, on air yet. Uh, the figure of a 570, just over 570,000 uh, in terms of local tourism in South Africa compared to 105,000 of Europe. Those numbers don't even compare. But, you know, I, I suppose we can't even really compare when it comes to even the festive season. When we look at the weather of Europe and South Africa, there's no comparison. Everyone wants to be here. But are we happy with these figures, Cesar? Can we do more? Well, look, I mean, uh, you know, as a commercial person, you can always do more. However, I think where the fingers are pointing and the growth that is happening, basically, is encouraging. Uh, the issues, however, is about geographical spread of this demand. Uh, ideally, you know, we don't want concentration in just certain areas, but right across the country. So some work still needs to be done, you know, uh, in marketing and developing uh, the other smaller provinces that are not as busy, basically, during the festive season. So what are some of the hot spots that are, are, are busy that we saw a lot of tourists in? Oh, it's uh, the three Bs, beach, berg, mountain, and bush, basically. Hmm. And uh, in there, you look at the, the coastal region, right end to end, you know, um, all the way down from the east coast to the west coast, you're going to see a lot of activities happening over there. Uh, the Berg is always quite popular, right, the Drakensberg region, basically. And Safari is an evergreen, you know, in terms of uh, a lot of foreign support coming through there. We're talking uh, the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season of 2016-2017. If you've just joined us, this is African Dialogue here on Channel Africa. I'm Asanda Matzawinyane, speaking to Sisa Jona, CEO of Tourism South Africa, and Kwake Donko, a Director for Marketing and Communications at the Regional Tourism Southern Africa. Change your game. your game. Be the voice of young African entrepreneurs. Change your game. Your game. A program that promotes open discussion. Change your game. We bring social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the global entrepreneurship ecosystem. Our mission is to produce relevant and vibrant content and conduct interviews with dynamic stakeholders within the African entrepreneurial ecosystem that informs educates and entertains and empowers young African entrepreneurs. Change your game. Change your game. Empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs. Tune in on Fridays 
1000 hours to 10:45 a.m. Central African time. And on Saturdays, 1300 hours to 1400 hours Central African time. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Eleven sixteen Central African time. It is here on African Dialogue. Welcome to our show. I'm Asanda Mazaunyane, talking about the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season. Speaking to Sisa Njonao, CEO of Tourism South Africa, we're trying to get hold of Kwake Donko. There, there was an issue with the line. So, Sisa, then, if we look at the issue of domestic tourism, uh, how lucrative is it, and is there a rise or a drop in it? You know, Asanda, there is a definite rise in domestic tourism, uh, but however, it's not at the levels that we'd like to be at. Uh, just to give you a sense and idea is that most uh, developed economy, um, tourism economies around the world are built on a very robust domestic tourism and overlaid by international um, tourist side. Mm. South Africa is the other way around, right? And a lot of that has got to do with, uh, with our history. We just generally don't have a travel culture for the majority of the people. And uh, you know what? Only 25 years ago, we needed parcel laws just to move from one province to the next, as an example. So, so therefore, you know, mobility is not something that is, you know, engendered in us. And we are trying to promote people to start um, moving, basically, and, uh, and then becoming tourists in their own country. The second part becomes around affordability, but affordability through the lens of conflicting priorities, right? So when you have an economy literally uh, not growing and just you know, stagnant at 0%, and you are having people who have to make choices, you know, mm. an extra 5,000 rands, do I now buy um, a TV set or do I go on holiday for the weekend, basically? So, you know, we are always competing with what I call share of wallet as a, as a tourism space. But again, through effective marketing, exposure, and also making things accessible, I think we'll start to see those figures improve quite significantly. Uh, welcome back, Kwake. Uh, we're t- talking now the, the issue of uh, domestic tourism, and how do we make it accessible then to even the poor of, of the poorest, uh, just feeding off of what CISA said there? I think, um, sorry, I lost a bit of the conversation, but I think there are a lot of opportunities. What, what South Africa in particular has done uh, is this short left kind of initiative getting people to explore their own backyard. I think, I think the concept of being a tourist, of traveling long distances and going from the beach to the bush and all these things are good. However, there are opportunities for us as individual leisure travelers to explore our areas, our own region, our own backyards. For instance, if you look at Houten, people could travel between Houten, Limpopo, Bella Bella, around Sun City area, around even the Houten province itself, there are fantastic attractions. What I don't think we've managed to do is to get these facilities exposed. They are very cost-effective. They are very good. They, they, I mean, one doesn't need to be a wealthy person to be able to afford these destinations. And I think that requires us to educate the populace, our, our, our local people, and uh, encourage them to explore their own backyard. Leaving a home, um, going over a weekend, next to about a kilometer or two or three away, exploring those attractions, those areas are still very useful. But we've not really cracked that. And I think South Africa is the country that has been doing well. 
Uh, I know a couple of our member states like Zambia and Zimbabwe are promoting this by taking uh, initiatives for running minor and major events within the country to encourage local people to attract this. So I would say that that is, that is still an uncharted uh, territory that we as marketers in the industry can still promote and that, that will help us to grow our domestic. And the rationale is that, you know, when something happens in the source market, the only market we can rely on will be our own, uh, our own uh, tourists within the country. So it's very important that as, as destination marketers and uh, tourism organizations, we seriously promote domestic tourism in order to grow the numbers, even if the source market are cut off from us. And I support the idea that South Africa has implemented over the years, and I think a couple of the countries are following that particular concept as well. On that point of uh, promotion, CISA, where does this leave the, the smaller players, the smaller uh, service providers, the B&Bs that are maybe in townships and in the, you know, not the, you know, big uh, service providers and guest houses and township hotspots? Are they included? Are they, you know, you know, reaping the benefits of the tourism industry of South Africa? So our big agenda uh, around um, SA tourism is we want to drive inclusive growth. We want to grow the sector, but we want to grow it in a way that includes others that have been previously excluded from the economy or others that are emerging. So if you don't ask me what keeps me awake at night is how does a BNB in Soweto become visible to the you know tourist in Germany as about to come through? Mm. So what we are doing is we're working on a couple of initiatives, right? booking platforms that where the, the, the smaller entities can become visible. But more importantly, secondly as well, we have what we call these consolidators, um, the likes of uh, big ones, uh, Rennie's, the likes of Thompson's, that actually start to package um, the small entities into you know, end-to-end value-for-money type of travel experiences. There's also unique areas like township tourism. It's something that is growing quite substantially where people want to come and uh, experience South Africa from a different perspective, especially for those that have come here a second, third time, basically. What different are we going to offer them so that they're able to kind of have a, a unique experience? So we're really starting to build a lot of capacity, especially around township tourism, especially around the, the smaller provinces. They just don't have the wherewithal expertise, you know, that the likes of Gauteng or Western Cape or Durban has to also bring them through. So they become also destination areas, basically, as well. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with your, with uh, with my other... Quite uh, Yes, basically. When he talks about, we've got to promote domestic tourism because you've got to diversify your your income stream for for tourism. Otherwise, you'll forever be holding, basically, to international markets. A perfect example of this, uh, where our figures literally took a big decline in 2015, 14, 15, was the Ebola crisis, right, which was effectively concentrated in, you know, West Africa. However, the world still sees Africa as a country. So what happens in one part, basically, impacts the whole area accordingly. And that's a clear example when the world decides... It's too risky to fly to Africa. I'm going to go elsewhere. We needed something else to keep the whole sector up and running, and that was a, a strong domestic sector.
11.23 is our time, Central African, and this is African Dialogue, talking about the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season. Uh, talking to Sisan Jona, CEO of Tourism South Africa, and Kwakia Donko, Director of Marketing and Communication at Retosa. I'm Asanda Mazaunyane. If you've just joined us now, Kwake, uh, I know you touched on this just generally about the issue of uh, you know security issues, and Sisa's bringing in a point there about the Ebola crisis. And we know Africa has got a lot of uh, its own problems, you know, that can uh, sort of taint the, 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 the tourism industry. So we have also known of the news from Mozambique that the numbers were down in terms of tourism because of some of the security problems that you touched on. How does uh, Mozambique turn this around? Uh, I, I think it's all about communication and crisis management because uh, it's, it's very comparative. If we look at what is happening in Europe at the moment, and possibly in the developed world, is nowhere comparable to what we are experiencing here, where people don't know where they have to be at what time and what is going to happen. Mm. So I think what we need to do is to get our communication machineries and get the expert to be able to communicate consistently what is happening and the opportunities and, and the magnitude of what is happening. The, the Mozambique issue, for instance, could have been communication because... It's not happening at the tourist destinations. It's not happening. This is a political challenge that a country is facing. Which comes into your issue of education that you were speaking exactly. about. Exactly. So, so within the tourism sector itself, the national tourism organizations and, and the stakeholders in the industry, we should have a, a, a coordinated and a consolidated approach to communication and particularly crisis communication at these times of the day. For instance, if this, anything happened around Christmas time, we should be able to respond. Because if you look at what is happening, in, what has just happened in Turkey, what has happening in a, a lot of countries around Europe, it's nowhere close to what we are experiencing. What happening in Berlin, mm-hmm. and they are able to come out boldly and clearly and allow life to go on. People get onto the street uh, hours after these incidents. But in our case, the way it's communicated. And, and also another point is that we are not our own communicators. The world is reporting for us. And we don't have the platform and the opportunity, or we have, maybe we are not utilizing them, to respond to these incidences. Luckily, with the current uh, trend in digital and social marketing, we should be able to leverage these and, and basically utilize them to counteract some of the negative perceptions that are created. From Ritosa perspective, what we are doing because of this particular issue, we've been backing on aggressive digital and social media communication for our member states to be able to instantly respond and also encourage not only the tourism operators, but each and everyone in, this, in, in, the, in the tourism sector to be able to respond positively uh, as far as issues of this nature are concerned. So security is a challenge. We cannot dispute that. However, looking at what is happening around the world, I believe that Africa is still at a better place, and, and we are very privileged. We just need to, one, to educate, mm-hmm. have professionals to communicate on our behalf, and, and build a very strong media network and relationship that will work with us to communicate. And here, I would say that we also need our local media to come on board, because our local media uh, have to work with us to make sure that we don't only communicate the negative messages that happen around but the positives that also the region and the positive initiatives and incidents that the region are basically showing to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And normally those ones are not communicated as much as the negative ones. 
and and that is the way that I feel Mozambique will be able to respond. Uh, in response to that, we work with Mozambique. We've, we've trained them on social media and digital markets because that is the quickest way of, of counteracting each and every uh, communication or messages that is going out there. Uh, we'll be running one very soon again for all the member states in Johannesburg next month. And the idea is to keep on training and building capacity to be able to deal with issues of crisis communication and also issues that basically impact negatively on tourism. Uh, and, uh -huh. and that is the way I see Mozambique, uh, uh, the way that I feel Mozambique will be able to deal with it. And uh, Tanzania, uh, tourists visiting Tanzania rose 10.4%, uh, and there's, I mean, Mount Kilimanjaro there, which is huge. Shouldn't this number be bigger? I, I mean, as much as it's an increase. Yeah, it, it, it is bigger, but don't forget that um, you talk of Tanzania, uh, there is also competition within the region. And as I said, when, whenever tourists come here, it's, it's not just for one country. The more they, 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 they visit a lot of countries. I think Tanzania will be able to do more. But one challenge that Tanzania faces is, although the, the flight, the number of flights from across the region in Europe is increasing, it still hasn't got to the level where they will be able to grow the numbers. So it's all, it's all about getting people there. And getting people there is about transportation, it's about cost of travel, and also skills development and a couple of things. What I know is Tanzania has, 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 has really grown. They've done very well within the last couple of years. There's still a lot of room for improvement. But there is a lot more that needs to be done in terms of flight. We don't have a lot of low-cost um, low careers going into Tanzania. Unlike South Africa, where we have so many low-cost, or I would say a boom of low-cost careers. So that still hampers the, mm. the number of arrivals. But having said that, I believe that the authorities are working on it, opening up a lot more opportunities for more flight to come in. Uh, it depends whether we'll be able to get more flight to grow the numbers or not. But looking at where they are coming from, such a base, I believe that they've still done well, even though there is more room for improvement. All right, let's take a quick break and now here on African Dialogue talking about the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season of 2016-2017. We'll be back after this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back to African Dialogue here on Channel Africa. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane talking about the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season of 2016-2017. Sisa, uh, talking about uh, tourism South Africa, are we the leaders in terms of the continent when it comes to tourism? Or have you, as you know, Tourism South Africa have had to look at maybe other examples from the continent and feed off of that? Well, look, I mean, it's... Uh I think it's a mute point whether we're a leader or not. You know, I think we'd like to benchmark ourselves in terms of the importance of tourism to our economy. 
Uh, we are very aware that our traditional contributors to our GDP, which is mining and manufacturing, are under pressure. And tourism, therefore, is a step up in terms of its contribution towards the economy of South Africa. Um, the issues are, we've talked about domestic tourism. The other important one is regional tourism, right, that within our neighbors as well, especially within the SADC region, how do we, A, cluster and club together in actually inviting the world to travel to our region? And secondly, how do we promote intra-Africa travel, basically, you know, amongst ourselves in the region to make sure that we also have a sustainable element in terms of how we drive these things. So that's quite quite important from that regard. Just to link up, we know, kind of some of the risks that you, um, you kind of spoke about earlier, is that, yes, you know, Africa as a continent does have a a riskier brand equity, right? Meaning that the established world, big incidents can happen and they're able to bounce back relatively quicker than, you know, what we could experience, you know, on the African continent. And, you know, it is what it is. It's just a brand equity perspective and our crisis management, I agree fully, needs to be on point. We need to be able to communicate quickly to acknowledge when things have gone wrong, but also more importantly, to give confidence to the world and to ourselves that we are managing the crisis and, you know, certain measures have been taken to place and therefore inviting people to kind of come back again. So those are some of the, of the key issues that we really need to work on, the coordination element and the communication side of it. We know that also during this festive season, uh, the road carnage does rise. So uh, does this have an impact on the tourism industry, the figures that we get? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, 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 the tourism industry, you know, impacts on so many areas. Infrastructure is one of them as well. So, you know, it becomes a, a usage issue. The more cars on the road, basically, the higher the instances of, um, of accidents and fatalities, unfortunately. Um, so, yes, we have seen, you know, in a surprisingly higher number of fatalities relative to other years. And that could be a factor of more people on the road, basically. But it is something that uh, the Department of Transport, basically, and Health and Safety are driving to bring about awareness. I think if you're traveling within South Africa during the festive season, certainly for me, there was a much higher visibility of policing, you know, which is really kind of gives uh, a positive element to it that, you know, they're looking after our safety and making sure that we all behave accordingly on the roads. So, uh, Kwake, over and above this being an inter-country, uh, you know, cross-promotion uh, effort, it's also, you know, an inter-ministerial and inter-different play role players uh, effort in terms of how we can push uh, tourism forward. Yeah, I, f- I think um, in the whole Africa, um, we Southern Africa is, is in a very good position or a better position because. Uh, is the only region within the continent that has a region, a regional tourism organization working with the national tourism boards and the ministry. And and what it does is the ministerial role provide leadership and also give political will to the promotion of tourism across the region. And we believe that that is why the region has always uh, done better than other regions across the continent. So with the role of the ministers, uh, as well as the CEOs of the tourism boards and the permanent secretaries, we believe that we'll be able to continue the performance that the region has been achieving. Uh, Having said that, uh, I think my colleague mentioned about infrastructure, uh, that 
needs to be in place, that needs to be improved. Our transport facilities, the airports, and all these things need to be improved to be able to grow uh, the number on a continuous basis. In terms of social media, CISA, what have we seen there as being the impact on the tourism uh, industry in terms of counteracting the negative perspectives that could be reported in the media? Well, I mean, um, you, know, uh, you know, in the world we live in today, basically, uh, you know, it's very difficult to manage uh, what is being said or experienced, basically, by the environment. Uh, within SA Tourism, we have a division that we call Quality Assurance. And its main aim, basically, is to make sure that the, the, the value proposition that we promise, basically, when we market ourselves is consistent to when people feel it. And uh, we really have to make sure that you're in front of the message. However, when, you know, people experience things negatively, you have to acknowledge it. You have to really respond to it positively, and you have to put measures basically in place on that side. Mm -hmm. However, what we've also seen, you know, we ran a campaign whereby we do recognize that we're in a tight economical environment, and we are promoting, especially for South Africans, uh, what we call um, a domestic stay-in, you know, stay in the city that you're in and then become a tourist in the town that you're in. And what we saw in social media was people posting various elements, almost show-offing, you know, uh, mm. the, 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 the incredible elements of their own city. When you slow down, you start noticing things that you previously didn't notice, and you start having a better appreciation, basically, for the town you had. It's important for us because, Asanda, ideally, is I would like to make each and every single South African a tourism ambassador. Because when they start to understand how tourists can actually impact our economy positively, which impacts everyone basically, and uh, you know, in terms of economic prosperity, then I think we become better hosts and also you know, start to drive the sector. Yeah, because just, I mean, 95,000 over uh, jobs created in Durban, and that's just one of our cities here in South Africa. Absolutely. So the, the, the ripple effect, basically, on, uh, on, on from tourism is just endless. You know, I, I call it the sector. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So whether you're looking at from, uh, you know, restauranteurs, basically, you're looking at tour guides, you're looking at shuttle services, you look at construction of hotels, you look at infrastructure, you look at the energy, you know, even agriculture. You know, the more people we have, basically, the more eggs get consumed and therefore start to stimulate that sector. Mm. But also as well, you know, try to bring and make every South African aware that they are also contributors to job creation. By deciding to travel, you know, to a place or a province they're not normally travel to, and also staying in a, an establishment like a B&B, the financial footprint they leave behind becomes a catalyst for that economy, and that starts to kind of create jobs in that perspective. You know, so when you make people aware and you market things, you know, almost like traveling with a purpose, then you're going to start to see people engage emotionally because it's more than just kind of their enjoyment, but they feel they're contributing towards the economy of our country. Yeah, your closing remarks, Kwake. Um, I believe that um, as a region and as, an, as Africa, as a continent, uh, we can grow our tourism. And uh, what I allude to is that intra-travel, intra-Africa travel is, is very critical, as my colleague said. The second point is I like the concept of staying uh, because we can experience our own backyard and that will still help to contribute. And tourism is, is basically interlinked with all sectors, not only transport, aviation. It links to agriculture, 
natural resources, heritage, I mean, the, the, the list is endless. And if we are able to grow the tourism, it will help us to sustain our economy, and I'm sure that we will slightly make a dent into the challenges that the African economies are facing. Mm-hmm. And uh, on this note, I would like to urge all Africans, South Africans, to try to, to travel. And we should not only travel during festive seasons. Uh, weekends are there. Uh, holidays are there. Public holidays are there. And we should encourage each other to take advantage of these and, and travel. And it doesn't need necessarily to be expensive with as little as 500 rands. I know that one can get a B&B in President Park. One can get one in, in Pretoria. And, and we can still have a good time with our families and friends and relatives. So yeah. my, my message is that let's get out there and travel and support our people and create more jobs and opportunities for ourselves. And even create uh, traveling stock fails, because that's quite popular amongst... That is, I mean, one important <laughs> point I want to mention, I know that is my last lesson, you mentioned yeah. how do we encourage the small operators and stuff like that. I, f- I think we have a responsibility to support. There is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an issue, it's, it's, it's controversial, but you've got trends like Airbnb, for instance, that is growing. And... Uh, although they, they are not accredited and stuff like that, but it's still, it's still a source of income mm. to a lot of small operators. You know, people staying at home and also get people to inter- network and meet each other. So as much as it's controversial because it's not in the mainstream hotel and, and, and accommodation facilities, it's still an opportunity that can be explored, provided the challenges around it can be resolved. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you so much uh, to you, Kwake. Donko and you, uh, Sisa and Jonah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is uh, African Dialogue. We were talking about the tourism sector and how it performed during the festive season. Uh, Sisan Jona is CEO of Tourism South Africa, and Kwake Donko is Director, Marketing and Communication at the Regional Tourism Southern Africa. My name is Asanda Mazzaunyani. If shovels could speak, they would say they are tired of witnessing coffins being lowered. That flock together. Barbarism, butchery, human slaughter is not an end of heroism. Africa, for Africans. An African can never be foreign in Africa. Africa, Africa, my soil. Africa, my soul. Africa, my roots. Africa, you're not my Oh, Africa.
Africa for Africans. Africa unites. I'm an African before I'm South African. Africa unites. An African is known to be his brother's keeper. And that is exactly why Africa unites. That song by uh, various African artists uh, titled My Africa, My World. Time now for our economics news. Just gone 11.45 Central African time. Here's Wisani Matebula. Thanks, Asanda, and good morning. Liquidity stress, poor economic growth, and political risk are said to be contributing to the negative outlook placed on sub-Saharan African countries by rating agency Moody's. In a report issued by Moody's on Monday, it explained economists of the region would continue to face commodity-induced liquidity stress, recurring fiscal deficits, and challenging financing conditions. A number of negative ratings actions were taken in 2016. Moody's downgraded a third of the region's 19 rated sovereigns by an average of two notches. Five of the sovereign, seven sovereigns downgraded in sub-Saharan Africa in 2016 have negative outlooks. Meanwhile, South Africa's Trade and Industry Department has refused suggestions that it's not doing enough to protect the local poultry industry. Instead, it says it's working with local poultry producers to address problems resulting from chickens imported from the European Union. It was responding to a plea that a trade union FAO made for government to tighten regulations on imported chickens in a bid to save jobs. The department's Deputy General Secretary, Kolelwa Mlumbi Pita, explains. We have been working very closely with the industry to ensure that there is a level of protection that is provided. We have increased the duty on all that to 82%, which is the maximum uh, allowed duty in terms of our commitments in the World Trade Organization. The one that um, the industry is mostly complaining about is the bone-in chicken portions. Uh, The duty has been increased uh, to 37%. Major chicken producers have announced steps to begin retrenching more than 3,500 workers. This is the struggle under heavy competition from cheaply imported chicken. And the number of tourists visiting Tanzania rose 10.4% in the 10 months to October compared with the same period last year, according to the Finance and Planning Ministry. This despite higher prices for some attractions. Tourism is the main source of foreign currency in Tanzania, best known for its beaches, safaris, and Mount Kilimanjaro. As part of an initiative to boost revenue, the government lifted an 18% VAT exemption in July on some tourist attractions, including wildlife park entry. Tour operators says have expressed uh, and opposed the tax, saying it will stifle the tourism sector, which employs more than 500,000 people. A commercial farm in Kenya has become Africa's first electricity producer powered by biogas to sell surplus electricity to the national grid, cutting the carbon emissions associated with oil-powered generation. 
The George Farm Energy Park in, in Naivasha produces 2 megawatts of electricity, more than enough to cultivate its 706 hectares of vegetables and flowers. A market and and an economic review has revealed that as the spotlight turns to fiscal policies in developed markets, global equities have become a more favorable asset class compared to government bonds. The quarterly was done by analyst Sanisha Pakiramsi and Herman van Papendorp of Momentum Investments. MMI. The uncertainty around policy measures taken by U.S. President-elect Donald Trump, the upcoming European elections, and the start of Brexit processes all favor global equities over bonds. Looking at the markets now, the U.S. dollar trading at 13.62, South African rents 10.93, Botswana Pula and 10.60, Zambia and Guacha also trading at 0.75 to the British pound and 0.90 against the euro. Commodities gold $1,184, platinum $971 per fine ounce, and the spot price of Brent crude oil is at $55.15 per barrel. And that's your economics news for now. Central African time. It is here on African Dialogue. Let's get sports news now. Here's Fikile Lingwati with the details. First up in our sports update this hour, we're kicking off with football news. Cristiano Ronaldo is named the world's best player at the inaugural Best FIFA Football Awards in Zurich. Real Madrid and Portugal forward Ronaldo beat Barcelona's Lionel Messi and Atletico Madrid's Antoine Griezmann to the prize. Ronaldo also won the Ballon d'Or in December with both honours recognition for the success in the Champions League with Real and Euro 2016 with Portugal. Carly Lloyd of the United States is named the world's best female player. Leicester's Claudio Ranieri is named best men's coach. Ex-Germany boss Sylvia Nade won the female coach award, while Penang's Maud Faiz Subri received the Puskas award for the best goal of 2016. And South African national under-19 cricket team will play in the upcoming 10-match youth one-day international, the ODI Triangular Series against Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe from the 14th to the 28th of January. The triangular series will be split between four venues in Cape Town, Stellenbosch and Pal, while the last three ODIs against Sri Lanka will take place in Ozuoran. Matthew Briatske, who will be looking to make his debut during either the 10-match Youth One Day International, the ODI Triangular Series against Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe, or in the separate three-match Youth ODI Series against Sri Lanka that follows, says he is looking forward to the matches. The butterflies are the same, the excitement is the same. So um, I'm looking forward to the first game on Saturday. But we do have the warm up game on the Wednesday, which is going to prepare us for the upcoming game. Briatske says they are not complacent about their opponents, even though they know a thing or two about them. We played Zimbabwe in the Cubs week, and um, I think their strength is their spinners. So 
we can expect the same thing from Sri Lanka as we know where they come from. Um, they obviously very spin dominating, and um, so that's probably going to be our focus in the pairing to take them on. Still with cricket news, the Proteas having wrapped up the series going into the third in the final test at the Wanderers. One would think fast bowler Kahiso Rabada might be rested for the dead rubber, having played almost every match of late. However, Langefeld confirmed that the 21-year-old will probably be rested during the three T20 internationals after the test series. Uh, well, there's probably a good chance with the 2020s coming up. I think KG has had a big workload over the past year. This is vital for us to look at that uh, going forward into his international career, looking at the months ahead. It's going to be a lot of cricket for him, but I think uh, we're looking at leaving him out for the 2020 against Sri Lanka. And finally, with motor racing, Peugeot's driver Stefan Peter Hansel stretches lead at the Dakar Rally with another win on Stage 7. The Frenchman managed to increase his lead over compatriot and fellow Peugeot's driver Sebastian Loup by 48 seconds. The stage from La Paz to Uyini in Bolivia was reduced and changed significantly from the original schedule with bad weather, making much of the original course too dangerous to travel. Peter Hansel finished the race in 1 hour 54.08 seconds. That's your Sport News this hour. Thank you, Fikile, for the sports update. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to African Dialogue here on Channel Africa. We will come back to you tomorrow. So be sure to tune in again and catch another informative installment of African Dialogue. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane. Remember, you can interact with us via Twitter. At Channel Africa is our handle. Find us on Facebook or SMS your views and questions to plus two seven eight two three three two five nine oh five. You can also email us info at channelafrica.org. That's how we say goodbye and here's a song to say that. Jamming, jamming, and I hope you.
Zion And rules all creation Yeah, we're We're charming So, time by my side. We're jumping. 